Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and this is Choose Life Radio. You are visiting with us today to hear some incredible stories, mostly really touching things that we need right now in this climate. Our guest today is Dr. Robert Peterson, and I think he can go by Dr. Bob. Is that right, Dr. Bob? That sounds great, Miss Jill. <laughs> I'm so glad that you are able to communicate with us today. I, I've read your books. I've read a couple of them, not all of them, but you have a way of telling stories. Also, you are the founder and president of the Legacy Imperative. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we're an organization, a ministry that has a vision to reach 10 million grandparents in the next 10 years, 2,500 churches committed to reaching, getting across the generational divide to reach our millennial Gen Z generations, many of whom have left the church. Only one out of five high school kids have ever been in church. 15% now of teenagers are self-identifying as atheists. Uh, evangelical millennial millennials are leaving the churches in droves, and we believe that we are fast losing uh, the legacy of faith, of family, of country, of the values that, that have made our Western civilization great. And we believe that the grandparent generation, or the last generations that remember that story, and so we're equipping and training and inspiring grandparents to make the best use of the best years of their lives to reach across the generational divides, which are widening every day, and to reach their grandchildren. And our dream is to have a million grandparents trained as missionaries to what we call digital land, to the digital natives of our culture. And we hope to have at least three to six million kids that are now under the age of 40, equipped and trained as missionaries to reach their own generations. Mm. Uh, in the years to come. That is a very big calling, and it is so necessary. I, I know that many times grandparents begin a conversation with their grandkids, and they watch their eyes glaze over. They, they're they looking at their phone. They're not at all intrigued by what you're talking about. So you actually have a book. Is that the digital line? Oh, Reaching Digital Land. Reaching Digital Land. That is a, that's a great topic because they're, that's where they are. They're not in our world as, as grandparents. Parents. They're in their own world. Dr. Bob, before we go too much deeper in that, would you do me a favor and uh, my listener who's with me today, uh, would you please tell who you are and what your story is, where you came from? Well, in a nutshell, uh, Jill, I'm a trophy of God's grace. My mother was 15 years old, looked for love in all the wrong places, found herself pregnant, was thrown out of her home by her stepfather when he discovered she was pregnant, wandered the streets, said later that had abortion been uh, available back then, I wouldn't have been in this world. She gave birth to me. I was an unnamed child. She found a, a military man in a nearby military base that she married. Uh, then uh, he went, was off in Korea and then Germany. We were out on the West Coast by then. Uh, she went looking for love, again, in all the wrong places, had five different children by five different husbands. It was my job to take care of them. She was often gone for weeks. But when she came home, it was often even worse. She brought her boyfriends home. 
involved me in the sexual games that they played and uh, the most worst kind of sexual abuse that I experienced, sodomized other things that I went through as a child. The, the people uh, in the state discovered the situation we were in. We were put in, in twos in, in foster homes. And so for the next six years, from six to 12, I went through the foster home system, eight different foster homes. I was in one home where I watched my foster father beat my foster mother to death with a hammer in a drunken rage. I wore rummage clothes. I didn't know who I was. I had a different name almost every year of my life in a different family. I wet the bed every night until I was 12. Every night I'd go to bed begging God that I would wake up in a dry bed. And every morning I would wake up in a wet bed. I was shamed. I was, I was beaten, all kinds of, of manipulation to keep me from stop wetting the bed. It was the great shame of my life. One home I was in, the woman actually had me stand on the front porch with a, with a sign on which she had painted, this boy still wets the bed. We lived next to the school. All my classmates came by. It was oh, such a, a, a moment of shame that I'll never forget. Uh, and so when I was 12 years old, I had the sociability of a, of a six-year-old. I still wet the bed every night. I, I didn't know what love meant. I was afraid to love. I was afraid of men particularly. I had been sodomized at least three or four times in my childhood by men. At that point, um, uh, God did a, did a miracle and Mary and Arnold Peterson came into my life and adopted me. I remember the first night I was in their new home. I said, mom, I'm going to wet the bed. And she said, we know that we knew that we knew that when we adopted you, but we will put plastic sheets under your sheets. And if you wet the bed tonight, we'll, we'll clean that bed in the morning. There's nothing you can do to make us not love you. That night I went to bed for the first time in my life and slept soundly, woke up in a dry bed. Have ever since, you could ask my wife of 50 years, and it it began the long climb out of the hole. You're left with those things all your life. Uh, It's our wilderness experiences that both give us the strength and the perseverance and all that we need to be successful in life but they leave wounds that we will always have to fight all of our lives. I think of every kid out there who's ever been through what I've gone through as an adult, there are wolves in the cellar of the soul. Sometimes you think the wolves are dead because they haven't howled for a long time. And then one moonlit night when things are going wrong, they rise up and howl again. But God has used me greatly because of what I've gone through. He's used me greatly. And I'm, I'm, I guess you would call me a wounded healer oh. who has been saved by God's grace. Wow. I, I just can only imagine, of all the people that are listening today, that story is touching someone's heart because it is, it's getting more and more prolific. More and more children are being abused, especially in times when our nation is struggling with all the big problems, they're they're missing mm-hmm. the little problems. They're missing the people they are. who are locked up in a house with angry, angry parents. I appreciate you sharing that. That is not an easy story to tell. However, I know that you are doing it to glorify God. And how did you reckon God as a child with where were you when I was in such pain versus thank you for saving me? Oh, I remember as a child when, when my, all the children were adopted before I was. 
uh, my six, my five brothers and sisters. And I remember when my two brothers left and I remember it was, we lived on a potato farm in Eastern Washington with our foster parents. And I remember people who adopted them, got them. And as they were driving away down the dirt road and their faces were plastered against the back window as it went over the rise of the hill. And I was running down the road, screaming, come back, come back. And uh, the last time I ever saw my brothers, and I remember falling by the side of the road and, and, and weeping and getting up with the dirt of the potato field caked with my tears on my face and shaking my fist at God and screaming, if there is a God, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. We figured out later it was that very day that I was screaming, I hate you, God, that Mary Peterson went to the welfare office desperately wanting a son. And asked, are there any kids available, any boys? They brought out a picture book with 500 kids who were wards of the state. And she saw my picture. I think the Holy Spirit just led her. And she said, that's the boy I want. So the very moment I was shaking my fist at God, he was bringing my mother to me. And so I've learned through the years that God didn't abandon me. He was preparing me. For a whole lifetime of ministry, I've shared my story with over 2 million people in person from Africa to Asia and 70 countries of the world and across America. And it it has blessed so many people. I wish you could have been there when I spoke to 100,000 people in Africa, probably 20% of, or 30% of the people, maybe 50% of people were orphans. Uh, parents had been killed by Idi Amin or by AIDS. And I remember them jumping up with joy. And I remember saying from the stage, I've been looking for my family all my life. And now I found more of my brothers, more of my sisters. And everywhere I go, Jill, I'm finding more of my family. The whole world is my family, my brothers and sisters. And God gave me that experience so that that experience could help me find brothers and sisters who desperately are longing for a father in heaven. Thank you for that. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit speechless. I want to switch into a topic, but I think I'd like to wait until we have a quick break and talk a little bit about uh, a wonderful blog that you wrote. Tell us the, the, the things that we have that we can grab a hold of when we get done with this interview and want to know more about you. You do blogs. You are a, a preacher still. Are you still preaching? Well, I, I, I do that, but I, I've got a bigger—when I when I turned the church over to a young man that I had prepared, you know, and he's done a great job, uh, the large church in Naples, Florida. But I said, I'm now going to go on and be the pastor to the world. Trent is going to be the pastor at Covenant. So, really, my congregation is way bigger. The coffee uh-huh. shop where I write, I've got all kinds of atheist friends, agnostic friends, and people that I just share uh-huh. my love with and hopefully— They'll see Christ in me, and and I have, of course, Legacy Imperative with the goals we have. We have a website called LegacyImperative.org where they can read all about what we're doing. Of course, thousands of people who have read my books across America. We've just our book, Amazing Stories, has just been republished by Chosen Books, and will be in ten thousand one hundred outlets, all the airports, the bus stops. So we're very excited about 
all the different ways we're reaching people right now. Well, Dr. Bob, uh, who knew, huh? <laughs> who who knew? knew? Who knew? That's right. God knew. And I think that that is another thing I'm clinging to that you've said, that there is no way I could know who's hearing this today and who's getting a chance to literally turn to God and say, if that could happen for him, it can happen for me. We are going to take a very quick break and come right back with Choose Life Radio and with Dr. Bob. Thanks for joining us today for the conversation here on Choose Life Radio. We are a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible gift today helps educate hearts and minds on God's wondrous provision of life. If you'd like to send a generous gift and help us continue broadcasting on this station, you can visit our website, chooseliferadio.com. Click on the Donate button and follow the directions. You can give online, or if you're more comfortable, simply mail us a check. Our P.O. box is listed on the website. Choose Life Radio focuses on the sanctity of human life from conception. And your kind and generous gift today, well, it makes this broadcast a reality. When you make your gift, please indicate the call letters of this station. And while you're visiting ChooseLifeRadio.com, we'd love to hear from you in other ways. You can email Jill directly or connect through social media. And remember, all of our past broadcasts are available to you as podcasts in our archive section. So visit today, ChooseLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I hope a lot of grandparents are listening today. This is a wonderful interview with Dr. Bob Peterson, Dr. Robert Peterson, who has numerous books. Please go online and find his book about stories, the 101, all sorts of wonderful books that he's written. And you can find them at his website, which is legacyimperative.org. And when you go there, you're going to not just find the books and the things that he's done, you're going to find some wonderful blogs. I happen to be reading those on a regular basis. And you wrote one. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're a great writer and a great communicator. You wrote one called Between Two Thieves, and I was gripped by it. Would you explain what the two thieves, of course, it's the illusion of Christ on the cross with the thieves on either side taunting and giving him uh, all sorts of reasons to be very frustrated with them. And yet one of them was saved. So let's talk a little bit about what you mean by our two thieves that we have talking to us nonstop. As I shared with you in the last segment, um, I had a very difficult childhood. And one of the things that made me a storyteller and a story writer is I escaped in my loneliness and my despair. I escaped in the world of imagination. I've always said the imagination is the biggest nation of all. And that's where my whole skill of storytelling developed. And, and, and one of my favorite metaphors for my own life, my own struggles, is the two thieves on the cross. Just as Jesus was crucified between two thieves, all of us are crucified between two thieves. On the one hand, the thief of yesterday. On the other hand, the thief of tomorrow. Yesterday steals from our todays because it reminds us of everything that went wrong yesterday. It fills us with bitterness. It fills us with despair. It fills us with regret. And we get paralyzed in our today. It steals from our today. On the other hand, is the thief of tomorrow. This scares us. It terrifies us of everything that could go wrong tomorrow. 
it causes us to spend an ordinate amount of time trying to figure out how to fix tomorrow before we get to tomorrow. And it wastes our today. And so what I came to understand in my own life is all I have is today. It's really all I have. And I can't allow yesterday to steal my today. Nor can I lie tomorrow to steal my today. Because all I have is today. Jesus said it. Take no thought for tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. I think all of us could say amen to that. Uh And um, and I I spend a lot of time with older people. It's so sad. Because as someone has once said, the province of young men or young women is dreams. The province of old men and old women are regrets. Sometimes our dreams steal our todays, and sometimes our regrets steal our todays and our bitternesses of yesterday. So as I'm hearing you, I'm thinking about that very amazing thought. I left a pregnancy center just recently, about a year ago, and and sometimes I do. I just sit and I regret that I'm not there doing it. Instead, I'm doing this wonderful opportunity. And so instead of focusing on what I don't have or what I don't feel I'm comfortable with, I'm, I'm allowing God to move me into today. And that is giving me the opportunity to meet you, to personally talk with you. And I, I can't be more blessed. So what can we do with our todays if we're talking about life, if we're talking about others who are wishing they weren't alive? We have a nation now that's considering suicide as one of the ways to deal with their disappointments. And we also have a nation that is stamping approval on abortion for any reason mm. at any time. Well, I, I wrote in my tweet, well, we have Facebook Live also, Imperative Legacy on Facebook, and also I tweet. But I tweeted this morning in this whole Black Lives Matters. I said, you know, Black Lives Matter, unless, of course, you're a black baby being aborted. Mm. Unless, of course, you're a black child being shot in a major city. And I just went through the list. And I can be overwhelmed sometimes with the problems that are facing us. And so what I know what I do with each day. I do something kind of to keep myself young. I get up every morning at five o'clock and I walk eight miles in the dark. And I pray to God and I talk to God. And I spend my first part of my day, as Jesus did, with my Father in heaven so that I can have his heart. Someone asked Martin Luther one time, They were trying to deal with the decision, what they had to do next. And Martin Luther said, this is what you have to do next. Love God and then do what you will. The psalmist said that if we seek him and his will and his way, he'll give us the desires of our heart. By that, I mean, he'll give us the desires we will have. And so I start each day, I think it's Jesus did. Okay, Father, what would you have me do today? And then do what you can. Do what God puts on your heart to do. But I tell people to get so upset about what's going on today, do everything you can do, but don't take upon your mind and your emotions the things that you can't change, the things that you can't make a difference in. I love the words of James, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I think Jesus promised us that he wouldn't give us any more burdens than we could carry. But sometimes we put on extra burdens that he didn't give us, and we carry more than he put on us or the world put on us. We put them on ourselves. Jesus never promised 
anything other than he wouldn't give us any more burdens than we could carry. He didn't say anything about us putting those burdens on ourselves. Yeah. I also have learned that Paul was right. This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. I cannot waste my day obsessing about what happened in the past that I can't change. And Jesus said again, take no thought for tomorrow, what you will eat, wear, or drink. I can't waste my time worrying, wasted worry, about what Jesus is going to do for me tomorrow. I have a, a great example that popped into my head of that, and where you might have a family issue where you've said words to each other, they're, they're not acceptable, you're angry with each other, and you spend your next day and your next day saying, and when are they going to say it? I'm sorry. They know what they did wrong, you know. <laughs> and Amen. just yeah. being able to say it's important that we keep our relationship. And therefore, I am begging you to forgive me for those words that I spoke that hurt you. I believe that so many families are struggling with being apart and not working together just because they haven't resolved issues that probably most of them don't even remember what they were. Well, they're living in the past. They're living at the point of bitterness and regret about what happened yesterday. And they're living in tomorrow, what they're going to do tomorrow to get even with the person rather than obeying God. As I said earlier, we do what we're supposed to do each day. And if I just did those things, I wouldn't have enough today just mm -hmm. to do what God wants me to do today. Mm -hmm. One of those things is to forgive, to not let the sun go down in my anger. Absolutely. We'd be so much healthier, even physically healthier, if we weren't carrying anger and frustration and a feeling that you owe me something. You owe me an apology. And in this time of really watching our world really shudder and try to stay afloat, as our nation struggles to be one people, how can we be helping right now? in that time. Well, one of the things that we're saying in Legacy Imperative particularly, we're trying to teach people how to listen, how to really hear the other side instead of talking so much. You know, we live in an age of television. Uh, of Today we're going to talk about this issue. we got five minutes to talk about this issue that would take years for philosophers to work through. And we've got two opposing people on either side, and now they're going to talk to each other. And they shout each other, they scream at each other, they talk over each other. And then the cable television host says, Stop, time's up, we've got to go on to the next thing. And we're becoming a culture like that. I'm on Twitter. It's an awful world on Twitter. <laughs> you know, yes. uh, people just spend their whole day attacking each other. We're becoming in a horrifically polarized world, even in the church. And rather than seeing... You know, what Paul said, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. And I want to remember that people out there are not my enemies. My biological mother was not my enemy. She did give birth to me. And she did hold on to me for six years. That's past. I have no enemies, you know, except for the ultimate enemy of my soul. We just need to shut up <laughs> and listen for a while in America. Well, I think you've hit something very, very important for us. And learning how to listen means you don't come back and interrupt. You don't uh, have your mind listening to yourself saying, oh, this is what I'm going to say as soon as they stop talking. Right. You've got to really understand the, the gift of listening. We have just a couple more minutes. Would you share your heart on the importance of 
grandparents really finding a way to communicate with their grandkids who Jesus is to them and, and who he is to their grandparents. Sure. Well, let me start by saying grandparents have, have an advantage over parents. Parents are coaches. Coaching has to discipline, hold accountability, all the things that coaches have to do to get the team ready to play on the field of life. That's what parents do. Grandparents are cheerleaders. That's what we do. We sit in the stand and cheer our grandkids on. We've already been the coaches of our children. We're not to interfere with their coaching, but we can be cheerleaders. Every study shows that millennial and Gen Z kids, when asked, who are your favorite people in the world? They say their grandparents. 70% of millennial and Gen Z kids say that if they could go on a vacation with anybody, it would be their grandparents. Mm. Partly because their grandparents will pay for it. But also, <laughs> also partly because grandparents don't have to play by the rule, I'm not your friend. Mm-hmm. I'm your parent. They really can be their grandkids' friends. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I say to grandparents is love your grandkids unconditionally. Wow. Affirm them. Listen to them. I can't tell you how many grandparents will tell me, I'm talking to my grandkid, and then their parent, my child, shows up at the table, and my grandkids shut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grandkids will talk to grandparents. But I say to grandparents, listen, live out your faith. You have credibility because you've walked with the Lord. They've seen how you've been faithful to your spouse, how you've overcome problems. Just listen to them, listen to them. And when you have a chance, when they ask, what do you think, then share. The other thing I want to say to parents and grandparents, don't listen to fix your kid. Don't listen for that, but really listen to hear their heart. Well, we have heard amazing truth today, and I'm so grateful that you have been along with us and listening, and you can find our website, chooseliferadio.com. We'll have this podcast. We're so grateful to have you with us, Dr. Robert Peterson. Thank you for being along this journey with us. Thank you so much, Jill. Well, we'll see you next week right here at Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.